Hi, I'm Eric. And I'm Megan. And this is Cinema Super Collider, where we're smashing up cinema one movie at a time. Greetings, my friends. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here, my friend. Can your heart stand the shocking fact about cinema, On this episode of Cinema Super Collider, we take a look at the 2001 black comedy horror musical, The Happiness of the Katakuris. Directed by Takashi Miike. Yes. This uh, one's even more disgusting and, and gruesome than Audition. No, it's not. It's no. 100% not. That's his most famous movie, The Director. Yeah, I would say, yeah, Audition, Ichi the Killer. We actually did a remake of one of his movies. One Missed Call a few months ago. Right. We did the American version, which is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a dumb movie. Yeah. I wonder if his version is any better. I don't know. Now, this happens to be a remake of a Korean film called The Quiet Family, which is not a musical, but it is a black comedy horror film. Yes. Yes. We didn't see that one, but we read the synopsis. Yeah. I could read the synopsis here, but that would take the entire show. No. And it's unnecessary because this particular movie, despite the fact that it is a remake of a fairly straightforward story, is just a surrealistic weirdo Japanese thing. Yeah. It's an extended family that moves out to the country on an old disused garbage dump to build a bed and breakfast because they hear that a road will soon be coming by. Yes. And a bunch of uh, things that befall them. They're not a happy family to begin with. Everybody's miserable in a unique way. Uh, Maybe not the narrator who's a five-year-old girl or something. True. But uh, as the events of the movie unfold, they do become uh, closer to one another and more of a happy family. It's true. I would say that they become happy categories by the end. Right. Well, and you know, one of the reasons that this happens is because of the power of musical theater. Yes, and karaoke. And karaoke. The karaoke bit may be like the best part of the whole movie. Yes. Magical realism. So. Animation. A number of things happen in this film in addition to the actual story. So, at random periods of time, stop-motion animation comes into effect. It's, like, very claymation-looking. I think you compared it to Baby Snakes at one point, like the Zappa film. Yeah, yeah, like Bruce Bickford looked like, uh, it looked like Bruce Bickford-style animation. Mm-hmm. There is also community theater-level singing and choreography that will occasionally just break out at random times, usually when they're trying to, you know express a great deal of emotion but i would say that none of the people involved in this movie are with the exception of we found out one anything close to a professional singer or any kind of great vocalist yeah it's supposed to have a charm that's kind of 
based on kind of like an everyman sort of oh yeah charm yeah it's it the, part of it is having everybody in the family not be a singer and do their best and then we also have these like moments of just just extended realism surreal realism you know where characters meet and then they have these moments where they're singing and then the whole world changes and swirls and there's they're flying through the air and there's big you know dance routines going on that are maybe you know people that are there or maybe not who knows and uh we've got like animation in the background and all kinds of shit like that i wonder if this is when cop rock came out or when it was around 2001 no, or something no it was earlier than that, that was earlier than that yeah that was this gave me the a little bit of that vibe where it's like you, you know this this kind of like story and then all of a sudden a musical would break out but it was sung by non-singers and so and in various different musical styles i don't feel i feel like it's a little more going for like a sound of music than it is like the cop rock thing well yeah i, th- I think so too uh, certainly the poster for the film at least one of them looks very much like the sound of music and the ending has a very sort of sound of music kind of uh, the feel about it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's that's kind of what they're going for. The film opens with kind of an extended claymation sequence where some sort of little animated like cherub demon or something comes and pulls this lady's uvula out of her throat. Well, the woman is sitting down at a restaurant eating soup. Yes. And then... That happens. Yeah, yeah. She's got, it's like the bottom of her soup plate. There's something down there. She starts like digging at it. And this little thing comes up and then reaches into her mouth and pulls out her uvula, which looks like a, like a, like a testicle. Yeah. Well, well, yes. I mean, <laughs> the, the uvula is usually single lobed. This is dual lobed. I think they were going for a little heart. Oh, it could be a little heart. But when it was dangling in the back of her throat, yeah, it did look like balls. Yes, and this little cherub flies away and then gets killed by a crow, and then the crow lays an egg, and the egg gets swallowed by the snake, and the snake, the it's it's like this death and rebirth cycle of this weird little demon, and that's how the movie starts, hooray. Does the demon show up during the course of the movie? Not really. I was thinking that maybe somehow the movie recapitulated that story of cycle of birth and rebirth, but I don't think it really does. I feel like it was just like, we have this weird animation we're going to throw on the front of this movie. Enjoy. Yeah. yeah. There it, there are some characters in the restaurant, which we then see a little later in the movie. There's a group of like like middle-aged to elderly women that are on a retreat. Right. And they're, yeah, that, they're hiking. Supposedly, this takes, it takes place in the shadow of Mount Fuji. Yeah. Does it look like Mount Fuji? Not the kind of look at Mount Fuji like you see in all the classic. No. Uh, paintings and stuff it's not like that typical conical volcano with snow on the top that you see like views from tokyo and stuff we do see a mountain it does have a volcano in it and it is Chekhov's smoking volcano yeah because it's smoking right at the the outside i mean that's kind of what volcanoes do yeah yeah but uh yeah we see these women later on they they hike past the guest house and and don't stay yeah yeah so that's that i guess that kind of ties it I guess. Together to the beginning part. But we don't really ever see those women again. I don't know. It, it There's a tradition of this kind of uh, sort of wacky over-the-top horror that we talked about in Haosu. This is definitely not as over-the-top crazy as Haosu, but 
it has similar elements it's got some to it. Elements to it. It's got a certain sort of bizarre kind of aesthetic that you know to a westerner might be considered like sort of tradition like not traditionally but stereotypically japanese i don't know i often think of the uh, uh the simpsons episode where with mr sparkle yeah and there's this this wacky japanese commercial with you know mermaid girls that turn into giggling samurais or or, or sumo wrestlers or something and, and there is a feeling when you're watching this particular film that you might have fallen into channel surfing through some Japanese game shows, which don't necessarily always make the most sense. But, uh, but you know, it's entertaining nonetheless. Yeah, it's a, it's a certain aesthetic, which is a wacky aesthetic that, that you, America has as well, its own wacky aesthetic. Yeah, it, this but one this is just is very Japanese in its Yeah, specifically in its Japanese. Yeah. And uh, that kind of it makes it more interesting, I think, than it would have normally been like an an English language or an American kind of uh, reboot of this or uh, remake of this. I don't think it'd be really that interesting. I I guess it would be who you would cast. Mm -hmm. And that could be a whole game unto itself. We could probably spend a whole episode just talking about that. Yeah. But it's basically the story of a middle aged man and his wife. And his two grown children, one of whom is an ex-con and one of whom is a divorced young woman who has a, a little daughter. Yeah. And it's also the, the man in the family, the, the, uh, the patriarch of the family, also has his father there. So it's four generations mm-hmm. all together at this bed and breakfast on a dump. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, is that you don't get the impression that they're really on top of a huge garbage pile until the movie starts to kind of unwind over the course of the two hours that the runtime is. When you first see it, it just kind of looks like it's not the nicest bed and breakfast. Yeah, they they is there are there two buildings? I, at some point, I thought that there were. And at one point, I thought that there was only one. There's like a main building and then there's a, a second it, guest house or something. No, I don't think it's a second building. I think it's like it. It always looked like to me to be like a radio tower or something. Yeah. It was just a bunch of metal and scaffolding and stuff uh-huh. that's just kind of out front. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they're, and they're, yeah, and they're, they're, it's obviously still somewhat under construction, although it's pretty completed on the inside. It has rooms that have beds and stuff in them. It's not like they're still trying to, you know, get everything organized and whatnot, but it's not a, it's not a luxe place to stay. No, no. no. And the movie is narrated by the little girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and she sort of narrated as maybe a little being a, a little too much, a little too generous. It, she kind of frames it yeah. uh, by she, she's a, narrating at the beginning and then narrating toward the end. Right. That's that's kind of more like it. And actually, the little girl doesn't show up through much of the movie. She's just kind of around. She doesn't have a lot of lines or anything. No, she's but just she's, stands around and looks cute. She's the best part of all the musical numbers because she's just, you know, she's like four or five years old. So she's just slightly behind the beat on all of the dancing and the singing, yeah. which is great because it, it gives it that real like theater in the park, you know, right. A uh, community center kind of feel yeah. to it. She's not one of these girls that was brought up on Broadway to be a five-year-old singing sensation and no. star. No, she's or like, uh, they're those, uh, those, uh, reality shows where they, uh, mm-hmm. mothers bring their kids to compete in singing contests and stuff. No, she's just cute, cute five-year-old kid. Yeah. That kind of hangs out and eats ice cream. 
a know, lot. <laughs> she does like to eat ice cream. Yeah. I can't blame her. I mean, it's a, no, it's it's a good. good place to eat ice cream. So the big problem with the Katakuri's guest house is that no one wants to stay there. Now, granted, as we've mentioned, it's located on top of near next to a a poisoned lake and a garbage dump, which is not necessarily the most luxe accommodations. Right. But one night in a big storm, someone comes to the front door and it's just this guy. He knocks on the door. He seems pretty, you know, pretty grumpy. They weren't expecting anyone. And, you know, they're doing that sort of thing that they always do in like British sitcoms. It kind of reminded me of like Faulty Towers. Yes, yes. Where it's like everyone is like, we have a guest. Oh my God, we have a guest. So like everyone's crowding around him and like, oh, and you know, we have breakfast at this time. And oh, and we have this. And can I get you some more towels? And here are some clothes that you could wear. And da, 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 da. Yeah, and, and this guy's kind of morosely trudges up the stairs. Yes. And we have our first really musical number. The first one is yeah. the is the suicidal man in the guest house. Yeah. And he sings a sad song about life. And, and he's floating amongst the cosmos at one point. He's floating amongst the cosmos at some point. And he's, he, he's interrupted by a beer being delivered by the sun. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, here you go. And apparently the, it comes with a snack. Because I think most of the time when you order a beer in Japan, like you get like some kind of little... Is that a snack? In I Japan? don't know. I I mean, I like calamari. I don't know that I would want the guts of the calamari, though. I didn't look it up. I I would wonder if that's a thing. I, I it seemed to me like it was a joke. I think but, it was a joke. Yeah, but it it's sort that would be like sort of a joke that Westerners would make at Japan's expense. Like, oh, J- Japanese people must eat squid guts because you know sandal wearing goldfish tenders. You know that sort of thing, like Mr. Burns. Ah, yeah. So it's, I don't know, maybe squid guts are a thing, but uh, squid guts, if I got squid guts with my beer, I might want to kill myself. Yes. So the man spends all night carving the the key fob to his guest room key into a sharp stake. Yeah. It's like pl- which, plexiglass. Yeah. It's, it's like it's, a big giant plexiglass thing you'd attach to a key. Yeah. So that somebody wouldn't steal it. Right. Yeah. But he, he carves a stake out of it. And stabs himself in the neck and is dead. Yeah, he's discovered in the morning. Yes. To dead, be dead, dead on the floor in a pool of blood. Right, because they go to wake him up for breakfast. Because they're very excited because, you know, they've got a guest. First guest. Right. right. Got to serve him the, the best breakfast ever. And we do learn over the course of, like, pretty much the first act of the movie that, you know, the, the patriarch of the family had been a shoe salesman who had lost his job to you know, redundancy or whatever. Yeah, it was just a store went out of business or something. Something along those lines. Like he loved being a shoe salesman. He, he did. know that. And his wife, I think, worked in a restaurant or something in the building. Like, she was a cook. Right. And well, they she, have this weird sort of romantic fantasy that they were together during, like, some, some like, ancient Japanese times together. Like, they well, were in some sort of, like, antique village together or something. That doesn't show up until the karaoke sequence. But right, right. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, that's, that's obviously they, not what they really came from, but they came from just some urban area in Japan where they right. met one another. They're sort of, you know, kind of, you know, office drone, low-level salesman type workers in a shopping center or some something along those yeah. lines if there's happiness or if there's love it's between the those the two father and the mother yeah 100 yeah. percent. and she the thing that she loves the most is cooking for people and so you, you see her cooking a lot one of the things that they 
they show a lot is the family eating around the table. In fact, one of the first scenes is them having stew of leftover vegetables and stuff that she's put together. Right. And, yeah, you know, it's, it's like, this isn't the season for stew. And they were like, shut up, eat your stew. Yeah, have some tofu. Yeah. But save some tofu for your father. He likes yeah. it. I like seeing Japanese people eating food. What was that movie we watched about the, the oh, ramen? This is my favorite. My, one of my favorite movies ever. Is, it's called Tempopo. And we did a very early episode on Tempopo in the existence of the podcast many moons ago. Tempopo is a spaghetti western, but it takes place in Japan, so it's a ramen western. And intercut between all of the usual spaghetti western, you know, beats is this narrator in a white suit that goes and eats things, like sumptuous things, oysters and... You know, he, he shows the proper way to eat a bowl of ramen in like a ramen shop. And is it the one where they break into a place in the middle of the night and make eggs and, and make oh, they rice make, and they, eggs or they something? Make, yeah, they make a rice omelet. Yeah. Yeah. They like sneak into a restaurant in the middle of the night and make a rice omelet. For like a little kid. For a little kid. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's great. It's, it's one of Megan's favorite dishes, a rice omelet. I like, look, I like, I like a lot of different kinds of food is, you know, which is unfortunate. <laughs> well, what, it's good what it, to like a lot of different what it, foods. What it, well, it's, it's unfortunate for life, my, my figure, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, well, it is, yeah. Um, but, yeah, Tempo was amazing. If you can find a copy of it, I, it's probably on something like 2B or whatnot. Um, you should check it out. It's it's in that category of films where you will be hungry by the time you finish the film. Oh, yeah, exactly. I'm nodding like, vigorously. You yeah, can't see that on the Tempopo is one, and uh, Babette's Feast is one. Um, what's the one with John Turturro? Oh, that uh, that uh, opening night or something like that. Big that, Night. Big Night. Big Night. Big Night's amazing. If you uh-huh. haven't seen it, it's, it's so good. It'll make you want to constantly eat Italian food. Oh, the other one is, uh, there's a Chinese one where he's trying oh, eat, to... Um, where he's trying something, to marry, something marry man woman yeah eat drink man woman that's what it is oh yeah. there's a lot of good cooking in that lots one. of lots of food in this. there's a whole subgenre of films out there folks that is just movies that have a story but mostly it's just watching people eat really good food yeah i i can get behind movies like that yeah yeah they're they're quite quite good this is not quite as good of, of a movie for that because there's a lot of disgusting garbage and rotting corpses that happen to be interwoven in the story it but wouldn't be a takashi miike thing without some sort of element of horror or gore in there oh sure somehow sure it's kind of comic gore though i think in this film. it is very much comic yeah. gore i would say yeah so so we've had our first death at the guest house and you know first you say why well, i say first because there might be more uh do they call the police and say hey this guy died in our guest house. No, they don't. Of course not. Why would they do that? That would be like the normal human reaction to a dead person in your house. They break into song, first of all. The first they break into song. This is very, like a very energetic sort of song, like a lot of wild camera angles and a lot of like... There's a lot of arm, like, like punching and, yeah. you know, very dramatic posing and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah. It's uh, a, again, it kind of has like this Jesus Christ superstar look about it, like... there's a lot of jazz there's not jazz hands so much as there are like coordinated air punches but yeah i mean you said again and again community theater that's what it looks like theater yeah uh, and they all seem to in the family except for the little girl to kind of be competing for like camera time or presence they are trying to be the star of the song they kind of keep 
cutting in front of one another and it's it's really pretty humorous but they decide that they don't want to call the police no because this is their first guest ever and he died would you go to the guest house where the first guest ever died committed suicide no doubt i would think in japan that's kind of common i mean everybody's killing themselves all over the place first off that's kind of a it's kind of a not cool thing to say but but yeah well i'm just saying they have a tradition let's say there's there's a japanese tradition of offing oneself in when you are dishonored true true, i'm not saying that 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 includes all japanese people or not to this very day but i think i think that the the fact that there is a quote-unquote suicide forest says enough about the culture yes and this is not they don't want to be a suicide hotel right exactly a suicide bed and breakfast so what are we going to do about it eric well, <laughs> dig a hole in the dump and put the body in there, right? That's apparently what we're going to do. So they get the body and pull it out, but the they can't find the guy's wallet. Where did his wallet go? Unfortunately, the son of the family, as Eric mentioned, is an ex-con. What was he caught doing? Stealing wallets. So immediately, the family's suspicion is on him, not only for stealing the wallet, but for killing the guy. Yeah, he's the last one who saw him alive, bringing him up the beer in the squid guts, and he's the first person who discovered him in the morning, Yep. right? So, I I think he is, but he's definitely the last one who saw him alive. Well, and it's a very odd way that this man committed suicide as well, because it's not like he took pills or he, you know... Hanged himself. Or, yeah, or, or slit his wrist or something like that in the right. bathtub. You don't no. stick a, a self-made you, knife in the side of your you neck. Don't, yeah, you don't shiv your own neck. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a that's I'm a, not laughing at his sad such circumstances. I'm Well and it's what but it is one of the things that the family brings up when they see him is it's just like, who does this? Uh-huh. How do you do this? This is a, this is pretty intense right here. Uh, I was I was thinking of uh, some movie or other that was done on Rift Tracks and the line from the movie was it's like, Oh, this this we were there in this mysterious cottage or a house where a terrible murder occurred. Is like he murdered his wife with an axe and then turned the axe on himself. Yes, <laughs> and it's like yeah, well, you yeah you How? could you could, How do you do that? You turn the gun on yourself. You don't turn the axe on yourself. Yes. This guy sort of kind of turned the axe on himself. He stabbed himself twelve times. Really? <laughs> How? Yeah. It's dedication right there. So they're like, oh, okay, all right, all right, okay. So we've taken care of this. And the father starts, the patriarch starts seeing ghosts of this man, you know, late at night. He keeps having nightmares where the, you know, the man's in the window looking in at him or. Right. Well, you know, the only thing worse than having a guy commit suicide in your place. It's ghosts. It's, (laughs) It's ghosts. And it's being caught after the fact of having covered up a potential murder by burying somebody. I mean, they didn't know who he was. They didn't have a wallet. Anybody could come looking for him at any time. Truth, but also ghosts. This is a Japanese horror film, Eric. We all know what happens. The Japanese horror ghosts are very vengeful and they never give up. No, especially when you get one of them in in a house. Then you got a haunted house. And that's bad news. Yeah. They, they, they live in the attic in between the walls, they, inside your television set. They hold everywhere. grudges. They hold the, the grudge. They hold the grudges. To end all grudges. They make the clicky noises. But I, they, they solve this problem. They do come together as a family, although the, the son is under suspicion. True. Uh, but he is their son, you know, and, uh, you know, my, I have a son. He's a young cat. He's my son. 
And, you know, if he killed a bird or something like that, I wouldn't turn him into the cat police. I would, you know, I would cover up for him. And I mean, would the cat police care if he killed a bird? I don't know. I've never seen the cat if police. If he killed another cat, they might care. Well, let's, I hope my son doesn't get into Let's please not have your son murder I hope. Cats. I hope I've taught him well enough that yes. when he gets older, he doesn't turn to a life of crime. Yeah, that would be bad. Well, yeah, and so, but they're 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 willing to cover for this guy, but they're they're also sort of really suspicious. It's driving the family apart a little bit. Now, one person who is not part of this whole burial scheme is the daughter. She has gone off into town because she has a date that she is going to go meet at some outdoor cafe with her daughter. They go and they get ice cream sundays and. She's been divorced. What are the the circumstances of the divorce? Doesn't matter. She falls in love too easily. Yes. And so she's sitting in her little, you know, ice cream cafe with her daughter. And as she's looking about in a very romantic, dramatic fashion, a man shows up wearing, essentially, that's what, a naval... naval Navy dress whites. Yeah. Right. U- U.S. Navy dress whites. Mm-hmm. So, and very specifically, you can tell he he basically I think is supposed to be sort of like Richard Gere from An Officer and Gentleman. <laughs> a little, yeah, I mean he's he's like Richard Gere at the end in the dress whites, except this guy looks a little rough. Well, he looks rough. His hair hasn't been cut for a while. He's an older guy, not like super older, but like yeah, middle aged guy. Yeah, and he sends a, a paper airplane down to her where he's drawn a picture of her and it says, I love you. Right. And this launches into a big, overly dramatic, over-the-top love song between the two of them. Yeah. Uh, like singing in the rain. Yes. You know, it's like, like magical reality. Right. They're flying in the in the... You know, in the sky, and at one point, Confetti you know, Confetti explodes everywhere. He's lifted off the ground with wire work at mm-hmm. one point, and it kind of looks like he hangs himself. At yeah, at some <laughs> at, at one some point, point, he just looks, goes he goes completely limp. Yeah, it's it's yeah, he doesn't look like he's got a noose, but it looks like he's got like a rope. You know, it's like if somebody who's unconscious in the water and they pulled him up with yeah, a, it, it, yeah, it's just completely like, limp. Just you know. Yeah, and uh, uh, of course the uh, the the young woman falls in love immediately with of him because she loves not wisely but too well. Yes, at the end of the song, we see her kind of on the ground thrashing around in sort of a, a fit of of uh, delight. Catalepsy, I would say. Yes, that's a, that's the word I was sort of looking for. That's uh-huh. an excellent word. Uh, and this is the first point in the movie when I was questioning whether or not the family was actually breaking out into song and everyone else in the world was just normal and was just freaked out by the fact that this family like goes into musical theater mode. Yeah, I don't know if it's clear. I, I think I think it's intimated that all of that kind of took place in her mind. Yes. And that she just, you know, swooned. And had a, had a catalepsy episode and fell to the ground. Right, because we see her daughter sitting on the steps, just finishing her ice cream sundae. Like, mm-hmm. you know, this is just like how, you know, she Friday afternoon works. soda. It was like lime green with like white whipped cream. The Not the little girl. She had no, a the, strawberry sundae. Yeah, the mom has like the bright green one. Yeah, I was wondering what it tastes like. I was thinking the Green River pop, you know, Green River soda. It could be apple. It could be. Mm-hmm. I, Japanese have a lot of interesting sodas. That's that's certainly true. 
Who knows, Eric? Yeah. You had to be there. I don't know. It uh, it captured my attention. It made you want to have ice cream sodas? As- I wanted to have a green ice cream soda. I wanted to know what flavor that was. It's the Tampopo effect. Yeah, a little bit. The Tampopo effect, yeah. I wanted hot pot because we watched them have like noodles and, and like hot pot and stuff, mm. which was really good. They had... Uh, uh, this, this is little, the point in the in the podcast where we just talk about all the food they ate. They had this little uh, like romantic tryst, at least in her mind. A tryst is a wrong word. They had a a, a romantic moment together in public with yes. uh, a dramatic falling in love, the way a, a child imagines falling in love. You know, right. birds singing, cat confetti flying, people zooming around in the clouds. Uh, moment, and they make a date for the future. Right. She she. She is asked for her cell phone number, but only after this this new love interest explains that he has a bit of a interesting line of work. You see, yeah, he's a U.S. serviceman, uh, but he says no, I'm from the British Navy. He says I'm a U.S. U.S. serviceman from the British Navy. No, he says he's both. Oh, okay. He says he's he says that he's in the U.S. Navy, mm-hmm. hence the uniform, but he's also a British spy. Oh, okay, yeah. So and and he's also in the service of Queen Elizabeth, who is his aunt. Right. <laughs> right. And and uh, he was also very close with Princess Diana, and if only he were there the night that she was killed. She was uh, always calling him for for advice on mm-hmm. her on her, her marriage with Charles. Yes, but because of the uh, the the uh, disagreements among the royals he was kind of on the outs but right he was still an important advisor to queen elizabeth right exactly so. <laughs> well he has very important spy slash military slash royalty business to do so he's gonna have to give her a call he asks for her cell phone number but because of where they live she doesn't have a reliable cell phone that works so she's like i'm staying at this guest house this, the White Lover's Lodge, White Lover's Guest House. Mm-hmm. And if you need to call me, you call me here and gives gives a flyer to him. Mm-hmm. It's very clear that this man is a con man. Yeah, but she's not very wise in picking her men. No. She likes to fall in love. She's in love with being in love. And and he calls himself Richard Sagawa. Richard Sagawa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's one of the reasons why I kind of thought they were going for like a Richard Gere thing. Yeah. Because of the name. I didn't think of that. But yeah, I, I, in the popular imagination around 2000, people will, were still remembering an officer and a gentleman. Now that movie's kind of fallen into the mist of time. I don't know how many people watch that anymore. It was a good movie at its time. A romantic. Uh, it wasn't a comedy. It was a, no, it was it was a just drama. A, just a, a drama, a romance mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, it was it was not anything. Uh, any- the, the most famous part of the movie is at the very end, Richard Gere goes through all kinds of stuff. But at the very end, he shows up at the factory where her lover, where his lover is working in his beautiful navy dress whites and picks her up and carries her out the door, literally sweeps her off her feet mm. and takes her away. Yeah. Now, this guy that's playing Richard is one of the there's a couple of very interesting people in this cast, but he was more known as a rock musician in Japan than an actor, though he did have a film career where he was in in movies and such. Yeah, it's like stunt casting uh, Keith Moon in your movie or, or Ringo Starr in your movie. Or, or Lee Ving. Or Lee Ving, right, right? sure. Yeah. Mr. Body. Mr. Body, among or other clue. things. Right. Yeah, yeah, but uh, he's his name is Kiyoshira Imuano. 
Hopefully I said that easy, right. Easy for you to say. I know. But he has the reputation of being Japan's king of rock and roll. Yeah, and he's, he's like Japan's Elvis. Is he like Elvis? I don't know. Elvis is the king of rock and roll. I don't know. Maybe. He was part of a band called RC Succession. But then later on, he went on and did solo work. And so, so it, it, I found it kind of interesting because like of all the people that were singing in the movie, I kind of thought he was one of the worst. <laughs> But if he's a rock singer, I guess that makes more sense because he's not like... Yeah. He's not a trained singer. He's a, Yeah. He's like a rock singer. Yeah. So that's okay. He's not a singer. He's a vocalist. Right. And this is one of those moments too, I think, if if we were part of the Japanese audience and not like dumb Americans like we are, we would have recognized him in the movie. Yeah. We would see the stunt casting and it would... Right. It would, and we would, would be like, oh. Chuckle. Yeah. Or like, it would be like kind of like Meatloaf in uh, yeah. like Rocky Horror. Yeah. Or Donnie Osmond showing up in the in the middle of your uh, murder mystery. When like, does Donnie Osmond show up in a mi- murder mystery? Well, I don't know. He might. I'm just saying this. Is, they have the same effect. It's you like have some, a very weird obsession with the Os, like the, the Osmond I, my, family. My brain was broken when we watched the Osmond Christmas special from Utah. What about going coconuts? Oh, going coconuts. Yes, you know. Well, we did going coconuts, which was actually kind of serviceable. It was the the Osmond. Yeah, the Osmond movie. The the was okay, but the Osmond Christmas special. Uh, it kind of broke me. I think we had to stop halfway through that one. I don't think I could finish that one. I don't remember. I don't know. Donny Osmond haunts my nightmares. His oh. big teeth. Well, speaking, I mean, if you were going to put a stunt casting musical theater person in your weird black comedy horror movie, I mean, he was Joseph. Yeah, actually, Donny Osmond is probably too too close uh, to a match for for musical theater. He'd probably be too good for that. You'd have to pick somebody like uh, like a Willie Nelson or something like that. It's like when they stunt cast uh, Alice Cooper as uh, uh, Herod in Jesus Christ Superstar. There you go. The live version of it, right? There you go. Yeah. Yeah, you'd have thought Alice Cooper could have done a better job than that, but boy. Al- look, Alice Cooper's an old man. He had fun. He had a good time. That's I didn't have a problem thing. with it. And the song, the the Herod song in that particular musical is not one that needs a good singer. Yeah, he was better than George Burns in Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Oh, dear God, that was awful. Who was the guy who was the ca- taxi driver? Who sang in that movie? Donald Pleasance. Was that Donald Pleasance? No, he was the agent, but oh he was God. the guy that was driving him around. Yeah. Okay. So there you there you go. These are some stunt casting things that might somehow in the U.S. resemble what we saw here in this Japanese movie. I suppose. Like our, our cultural equivalent for what this guy would be. Maybe. Maybe. Except this guy. Unless he's a, Elvis. A musician. Yeah. Well, I mean, Elvis had a whole series of movies where he was stunt cast. Yeah. Well, but no, those were built around him. They were to yeah. showcase him. This wasn't a showcase for this dude. Yeah. But sh- your showcase is my stunt casting. Mm. Yeah. I, I think mean, it's fair to say. Viva Las Vegas is not, it's not like this beautiful, like grand work of art, but I enjoy the fuck out of it. Yeah. And they honestly, they stunt cast Anne Margaret in that movie. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Also in Bye Bye Birdie, another one, which was based on Elvis, but didn't have Elvis in it. Well, she was in stunt casting. That was like, that was her big break. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. We'll get back to this guy later on. Meanwhile, she goes back to the, she and her daughter go back to the family and another mysterious guest shows up. Right. Or two mysterious guests show up. So it's a very famous sumo wrestler in this, you know, magical reality of musical theater. And he has his underage girlfriend with him, and they're looking for an out-of-the-way secluded place to go have sex where no one will see them doing this. Because 
they're very clearly doing something they should not be doing. So right. they, they check in and immediately start having sex. And it's a sumo wrestler having sex with a very small woman. Yeah. And the Katakuri family is like, well, you know, at least this isn't a suicide case. So, we, you, you know, this is. They're this, having a good time. Yeah, this is this is a good sign, you know. Right. We, we got more as guests. As long as we keep the son away from him and he doesn't kill him, we'll be fine. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. It's steal his wallet. Uh, but the son does actually get a ladder and put it up against the the wall of the like exterior of the house a yeah, la, so like animal them. house yeah, or whatever. that's exactly i was thinking uh, john belushi and animal house mm-hmm. yeah and while he's doing that the parents are having a conversation about the mother keeps saying like you know i know he's made some mistakes but he's a good he's a good guy at heart like he wouldn't he's not going to do anything that's going to like you know put us in jeopardy or do something that's going to be hurtful to someone and then they cut to him peeping in on these two people having sex right right and yeah and like john belushi he falls off the ladder and hurts himself in the backyard of course because that's that's what we do so i mentioned that the suicide guy was the first death well now we've got deaths two and three because the sumo wrestler has a heart attack while having sex and he's on top of his tiny underage girlfriend, and so he smothers her. Both of them die. And it's only when the family is like, it's time to check out everybody, that they discover that there's just a big dead guy. Yeah, and then they go, eek, let's call the police. And then the dad says, wait a minute. Well, only one of them says, eek, let's call the police. And mm-hmm. that's the daughter, who is not around for the suicide guy of the first death. Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought that she was around, but maybe not. No, yeah. she, that's when she goes on her date. Okay. That's, she's with the little girl. All right. Okay. So, uh, so she's like, well, we have to call the police. Why would we not call the police? This is like someone, it, he died of natural causes. There's the, we didn't do anything wrong. And they're like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. This is not what we do. We, uh-huh. we, we bury people in, in yeah. the dump. That's yeah. what we if do. We call the police to, to talk about this guy. They're going to ask about what happened to this other guy. They're going to look at our guest book, see who signed in, see he didn't sign out, ask what happened to him. And we're going to have a lot of un, you know, answerable questions, a missing wallet that might turn up that my son maybe has, anything like that. So they decide that they need to, to bury this couple. The only trouble is, is that the sumo wrestler is so big and so heavy they can't get him through the hallway they can't get him through the hallway when he was when he was uh you know on alive on foot he was able to sort of squeeze himself through but uh dead weight they weren't going to be able to do that so they decide to chop up the body into pieces right and (laughs) i think they shove him out the window too yeah i think yeah yeah, i think they shove him out the window first and then cut him into pieces outside we don't see that part which is you know not uncharacteristic for takaishi mike because you know that's oftentimes the best part of his movies is <laughs> that is people audition. being yeah people <laughs> being cut into pieces yeah um so there are two more in the pit so we've got three deaths we do have another person though coming up the way on a bicycle and this time it's a policeman oh and what a policeman he reminds he reminds me of corn job in that gamera movie Yes. Gamera and Gaios or, or uh, Attack All Planets or something, whatever it is. It's one of the Gamera movies. Yeah. Yeah. He looks like somebody out of... He's the Japanese Barney Fife. Yes. That's exactly what he is. He's the Japanese Barney Fife. He Barney comes, Fife was a character in the Andy Griffith show from the 1950s. I think most people get that cultural <laughs> reference. <laughs> I have no idea. It's true. I have no idea. Uh, 
Mm. It's great being old. You remember so many things. Yeah, that no one else does. Doesn't matter. You know what? When you get old, if you're a young person and you're listening to this and you're going, ah, these old people are boring. Don't let old people tell you that it sucks being old because, well, there's certain things that suck. But for the most part, it's just like you continue to accumulate great memories of a lot of different things. And it's it's great. I could I have <laughs> the capacity go. to enjoy so much more now than I did when I was younger. And then your brain turns to mush and you forget all of those things. Doesn't matter. You meet new people every day. Ah, yeah. Good point. So our so our our Barney Fife character comes in and everybody's like, Oh, what's going on? And I think it's, he's just taking geez, the, it, it's the law. I think he's just taking the census is I think what what's yeah. going on. He's well, just like, yeah, he's like, Hey, you guys get this bed and breakfast. I thought I'd come by, you know, like, I'm who's I'm up the here? local law enforcement. Just want to check in, make sure everything's okay. Want to know who's here, what's going on. It's, it's a friendly visit from the local law. Yes. You, we, know? you know, we've got part two of like faulty towers because everyone's downstairs yeah. And everyone's like, "Oh, don't don't look suspicious." And then they look Don't make ex- eye contact. They look no, extremely suspicious yeah. and they need somebody to fill out this form and only the daughter is like, "Well, I'll do it." Mm-hmm. And she keeps doing the thing where she like she'll stand up and she'll be like, "Actually, I need to tell you something." And then and the the family's like, "She's she, she's crazy. Just she was a, hor- a very hard birth. The <laughs> brain's not right." Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, it is yeah, it's funny. Yeah, they get through it, and as he's leaving, he leaves a rolled-up piece of paper on the table and is like, just so you guys have this, these are some wanted people who are in yeah. the area, and be on the lookout for these guys. The local Japanese most wanted poster. Right. Yeah, it's kinda, it was kind of weird, the way that it was laid out. It almost looked like... <laughs> like a pokemon thing it was like here's this guy yeah traits yeah <laughs> evolution right. gotta collect them all well and who's on the, the rolled up uh paper with all the wanted peoples mm, it's the the naval officer slash british spy slash richard gear richard gear yes yeah yeah you know now that i think about it this kind of reminds me in a weird way of arsenic and old lace a little bit, except that it's an entire family instead of two instead old of ladies. two old ladies poisoning people. This is an entire family where people keep dying, but it has that same sort of wacky energy. It does, uh, but I think of the Cary Grant movie, not the play. Yeah, but I remember Cary Grant running around, and it's there's people coming by, and he's got to make sure that the body's hidden in this trunk instead of in that trunk, and that it's 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 a similar kind of wacky mm-hmm. kind of uh, thing where you've got death and farce kind of mixed up together. Very true. Eric's brother starred in a high school production of Arsenic and Old Lace. Yes, the dancing was probably. I don't. I guess there's not a lot of dancing in there's there. There's not a lot of dancing there's, in there. There's yeah. There's there's not. But if there were, it would have been on the same level of dancing as was in this film. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Very much so. Uh, so we we've passed the police officer thing. Shortly after, uh, the daughter does get a call from Richard who's in some kind of war plane in actively being shot down over enemy lines. Yeah, he's like over Iraq or something. Yes. <laughs> it's like, it's coming to you via a, a relay station in Japan. Yes, I'm calling you. I just couldn't stop thinking about you. And he cuts to this guy sitting in his little apartment with like sound machines and it's tape like recorders. like a little grubby hotel room with like yeah. a boom box where he's got like... Like, like airplane, airplane combat sounds. noises. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's like, oh, no, we're going down. And he hangs up the phone, you know, and she's like, I love you. But oddly, the next time we see him, it's kind of like he crash landed in the dump. Well, yeah. 
I, I mean, he, he did. didn't. <laughs> he didn't crash land anywhere. He was just hanging out in his, his, his weird sleazy hotel room. Motel room, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh. And uh, was he also like they they found they had seen him somewhere at like the local brothel or something like that? I or he had a ticket in his pocket? No, what he had. had a napkin. He had. Um, well, he steals things wherever he goes is is the the running joke once he shows up at the guest house, which he will show up at the guest house. Uh, he had taken, I think, the the complimentary napkins or complimentary tissues or something from a dial-a-date oh, service. A dial-a-date which service. Is, which is how he had called the daughter originally to set up the date. Oh. Is, is That's how he's finding all these women that okay. he's conning. Okay. Is he's, he's calling. It's basically a Lonely Hearts Club kind of thing. I see. Yeah. Like Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts. Yes, except without George Burns. Oh my God, it all comes together, doesn't it? Does. It, it, it does. It all comes together on Cinema Super Collider where everything collides mm-hmm. eventually. Yes. And then we lose our minds eventually. That's our tagline now, apparently. <laughs> we're done with smashing up cinema uh, one movie at a time, and now we're just going insane. <laughs> we're smashing up our memories one, one ten, ten one memories brain at a cell time. at a time exactly yes exactly well speaking of guess who shows up next right well the the thing that happens next is that a group of they've they've buried the sumo wrestler and the underage girlfriend and they're coming back from the dump the entire family they all have shovels they're all dirty they look horrible they're coming back from the dump as a group of young people shows up and is like Hey, do you have any cake? Because we're kind of interested in having some snacks. And they're like, cake? They're like, yes, yes we have cake. We have cake. Yes, the, 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 the matriarch bakes cakes every day. Come on in. And th- I was absolutely certain that they were all going to get poisoned somehow. That's what I thought also. I thought all of them were going to die by cake somehow. Cake or death. Right. Especially because like the the... The great grandfather is kind of getting into killing people. You can tell a little bit. He's kind of like, uh, this is this isn't a bad way to spend my my you know twilight years. It's just <laughs> he's murdering got, he's people. He's got crows like in like swearing at him yes, at various cr- times. The crows are swearing at him in Japanese, telling him to fuck off or something. Yes, yeah. they're telling him to fuck off, and he takes logs and throws them at the crows, and is constantly like bonking crows out of the air with oh with, we we also forgot about the dog named poochie or poachie there's a the, the I think family i think a, they say it poochie i think poochie. that's how you say it yeah yeah before he went he was back to his own planet he was with the <laughs> yes. katakuris yes all of the simpsons references in this movie yes yeah the, the the dog is just like a little white westy kind of dog that mostly just eats it's things cute. yeah it's a cute dog it's the grand grandfather's dog right and uh you know he does dog yeah. things. So the grandfather throws a, 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 a log at a crow, knocks the crow out of the sky, and the dog goes and retrieves it back. That's just like one of their little games they That's play. That's the thing they do. It doesn't really have a payoff. It's just one of those things. It's just, it's like, It's amusing. Know, it's, it's funny to see an old man throw a, 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 a log? log at a crow. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so nothing happens to the young people. The only thing that happens is they're there when Richard shows up, and he's in his dress white uniform, but it's dirty as hell. On the way to the guest house, he has he he took a drink of water out of the legitimately poisoned lake. Like, we know this because we see a whole bunch of dead animals lying next to the lake who've taken a drink. Or the there's classic. 
There's dead fish in the lake. There's obviously trash in the lake. There's entire skeletons of goats in the lake. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah, whole goat thing went by, took a drink, and died right died. in the spot. Yeah. So he's he's had some of this disgusting water, which doesn't really 100% pay off other than... Well, that which doesn't kill you makes you stronger, but it gives him diarrhea and vomiting. Yes. Which is played for laughs. Of course. Mm-hmm. Because holding your butt is funny, Eric. Right. And farts are funny. But he shows up, and the daughter is like head over heels. She's so happy that that her man has showed up. She was worried that he was going to die in a plane over Iraq. Or something like that. The next day, he's there in Japan. Yes, yes. He walked all the way from Iraq. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's only a 24-hour walk from the Middle East to the Far East. 2001, probably Iraq wasn't involved yet. It was probably Afghanistan. I don't know. No. I don't want to think about those days. Those were dark days. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, yeah. So he he shows up, but he's got this. He's get this terrible stomach bug. So it's true. Just, but she she does ask him the question: Would you like something to eat? And his response is: I want to eat you. Which she faints because she's just so oh overcome God. with emotion. Yeah, that's very risque. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She may be like a romantic, but she's not uh, uh, dirty. Everyone but the daughter is suspicious of this dude. The young people that were eating cake are suspicious of this dude. The family is suspicious of this dude, but specifically... He's like a cartoon of a suspicious dude. Yes. Specifically, the grandfather is like, this is a bad guy. I got to make sure that like my granddaughter is okay. Right, right. And so, it's, and so this guy goes and like crashes in the same bedroom where the guy committed suicide, and he's holding his butt... And he discovers the wallet on the floor of the dead guy. So he steals all the money out of the wallet and keeps the wallet. And we cut to later on that evening. I guess his butt is fine now. Yeah. His uniform is, he sort of brushed it off, but it's still a mess. It's still a mess. It's and he, yeah. he decided to cut his hair during this as well, which I didn't quite understand. The, yeah, I don't was, know. He cut it with a stapler or it something. It was very it was like really cut. bad. Yeah. Well, and he even cops to it. He's like, I don't think I did a very good job. And it's like, do you think, dude? He cut it with a butter knife. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. So this this is his time to woo the daughter. And they're having sort of like this very canned, very paint by numbers, you know, uh, a sort of courtship thing in the dump. Well, they have a little swing and she wants for him to sit next to her on the swing and it kind of doesn't go well. No, well, the swing is a, is a horrible swing. We yeah. see earlier in the movie that it just completely falls off the... Yeah, the, it's a dangerous swing. It's a yeah. dangerous swing. Yeah, and this guy is like kicking the swing. It's like it's going left and right and back. It's like, this is not romantic. Let's go take a stroll in the dump. Yes, because and, that's where romance is. And it is like legitimately a dump. And I feel like this is really the first time in the movie that you see how shitty everything is around their guest house. I didn't know that it was in a dump, to be honest. I didn't know it was. Well, like I kind of had a suspicion that the lake was polluted earlier than when he shows up because they mentioned that the road is going to go by the lake and that this new construction is going to take place and they're going to run over the lake and basically kind of like fill Mm -hmm. it in. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like they show up, there is a bench and the bench is half submerged in dump garbage so it's at a, it's at quite a significant slant but they both sit on it for you know for comedy purposes and as you know the romancing is going on in the background you see swirling in the winds of romance just newspapers and plastic bags and just any kind of like 
raggedy trash that can yeah. be picked up in a you know a, a strong breeze yeah yeah a little bit mm-hmm. and it's like it's not that it's just in the background is sort of like uh, you know, like ambiance that's going like it's on, a, like an American Beauty when the bag blows around. Yeah, except it's like a hundred like bags. Everything can be beautiful, uh, and and not only are they swirling in the background, but they're starting to swirl around the two of them as well. And you know, like they're hitting them and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, this is a bit much. And he keeps embellishing his story as this part goes. Oh on, yes, so yeah. This is this is when his, he really his starts life of as a secret agent for the British royal family. Well, and he's explaining that like his mom is Queen Elizabeth's sister, but she was disowned by most of the royal family because she fell in love with a Japanese man who also was maybe from the aristocracy, or no, he was a doctor. That's what it was. Uh, it's just He, he keeps... was a doctor, but he wanted to be a painter. Mm-hmm. And and so his family made him be a doctor. And so... Once again, he gets whipped up into the whirlwind, except this time it's not uh, levitating with a bunch of confetti around him. He's levitating with a bunch of swirling garbage. Trash. It's just trash everywhere. And meanwhile, Grandpa's watching from a distance. With like a log. With a log, because he, he's got this guy's number, right? Right. And his big story ends with him basically proposing to her, but he's got to go ask for permission from his aunt, Queen Elizabeth, in order, because of the royal family issue, like, you know, he, if he was going to marry her or fall in love he with her. He would do it right now, but he knows it would be a terrible blow to the royal family. It would, so Yes, it would be a scandal. Back. So, he has to get permission in order to do it, but he can't use any of his royal family money to do that because that would also be scandalous so he needs to borrow some money so that he can fly back to england so maybe yeah. she could she could loan it to him this is when grandpa comes out like, yeah he's like he, he sneaks out and hits him in the head with a log yes and, and, and then it starts a big fight it's like the quiet man it just goes on and on yes it, it just like like fighting back and forth One's down, the other one's going to kill the other one. One's down, the other one's... And then it turns into a claymation battle. Well, like right. Battle Royal from MTV from circa 2000. Because the, the, the moment that really, like, all the shit hits the fan and the claymation comes out is because they've gone over a cliff and there's vines in the side of the cliff that they're holding on to. And this is not a movie where we're going to get stuntmen to do anything. Especially not stuntmen for Grandpa. No. No, it was easier to do claymation than it was yes. to, to try and do... And in the midst of this, though, they are superimposing actual like film images of the faces of both of these actors. It's a weird effect. It's a very, very weird effect. Weird, very comical. Uh, and so they go back and forth and back and forth, and, and you know, Grandpa's getting hit with things, and, and Richard's getting hit with things, and they're holding on for dear life, and Richard starts, you know, fraying the vine that grandpa is holding on to so he's gonna get you know killed by falling into this gorge and at the last possible second the daughter kicks a rock over the edge of the cliff which brains richard and he falls to his doom in the cliff we don't explain how grandpa gets out of the cliff but it's just assumed that he does he's pulled up Right. right and it's also assumed that richard is dead again but he fell down a gorge so they don't feel the necessity of having to go find his body and bury it. Right. Because, you know, it's not in their guest house. Yeah. Meanwhile, <laughs> they get a note 
delivered to them that, uh, by the way, they're finally, oh, and he gets a call. He doesn't get a note. He gets a call. Mm-hmm. And they announce, the, the father, the patriarch of the family gets a call at the, the bed and breakfast. And they say, congratulations, dude. We're finally going to be building that road right by the, the poison lake where you thought it was going to be. And uh, that'll be soon. It's not, we're not starting right this minute, but in a few months it'll be completed. Can, you know, you, and now you're going to have your chance to have your place, but he's upset because where the road is going through is where they've buried all the bodies. Right. But we have a moment now because we had our false love story between the daughter and Richard, but now we have the real love story between mom and dad. And we're going to have a moment. And the movie actually at this period says, we're going to do a song now. Let's everybody sing along. Everyone sing along. And the the entire movie stops. And we have a karaoke duet. Yeah, this is probably the funniest part in the movie. It's, I mean, it's really cute. It's the best part of the movie as far as I'm concerned. Because... Everything stops, and the two the two actors are singing this like love song back and forth yeah, to it's one like another. A classic duet, like from an opera or mm-hmm. something. I mean, well, it's not an opera. No, it's, it's not an opera. No, but no, I no. mean, it's 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 like it's a Broadway a type yeah, duet. It's, yeah, it's a call and response kind of thing. And you know, at first, you know, it's just the two of them. They're in the guest house. They're just normal. They're dressed, you know, in their normal clothes and everything. And once we get past the first verse, that's when we transport ourselves back in time to. They're in some village somewhere in yeah. Japan. Yeah, I'm thinking like like, like pre World War II Japan. Yeah, it's or something. like provincial life. You know, yeah. they're they've got their little wagon and yeah. they're singing to one another. And he's got a pile of shoes. He's polishing. Yes. And yeah. Yeah, and so they they keep singing about all of their love all the while that this is going on. At the bottom of the screen, we have the karaoke like follow along. You know, text. Yeah, as it lights it up, highlights. Yeah, yeah that it highlights along. And then we morph into our final transformation, as if this was like a Pokemon karaoke duet. We morph into the professional singing of karaoke clothes. They're on a stage. It has dramatic stage lighting on it. Right. He's wearing like some sort of tuxedo. She's wearing a beautiful dress. And she's got like, she's got like, oh, very fabulous wig on because it's sparkly wig. It's got glitter infused into it. And the two of them are, they're singing, they're linking arms, they're singing very soulfully to one another, all the while the karaoke text is going underneath this whole thing. Right. Superimposed versions of them are floating across the screen while yes. they're singing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, like that like that old style of like uh, high school yearbook picture where you see from the side and then from the front. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. and th- this is going on through the whole karaoke bit. And, and it goes on like they they did the full karaoke track you know i think it's got to be at least four or five minutes of karaoke track and i imagine that this portion of the movie probably was in karaoke bars after the film came out i wouldn't be surprised yeah and they wouldn't have they would not have had to do one single fucking thing to it because of the way the way that it's shot if you've ever gone to like a karaoke place where they've got like the you know the the TV screens and everything in your little karaoke room, and it's just like the most nonsensical bullshit. Like, well, but but to be fair, we go to Korean karaoke bars well, for the still, most part. It, so it's, I mean, karaoke. A, look, karaoke tracks are karaoke tracks. Right. You know, there's always like random like sailboats in the background, right. or like people you've never seen doing things together, or like you know. Mm-hmm. 
young people like, being like young. A, a Rod and Natalie, perhaps, walking along the, the My beach. favorite is, like, parakeets. <laughs> Why? Like, we're singing, you know, an Adele song. There's parakeets. But mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. It's just, yeah. like, random imagery. And so we go through our full karaoke turn and, and get back to the guest house where mm-hmm. the two of them... I think it kicked off by him wanting to put a little cross. He's got a little model of his guest house. And he wanted to put a cross where the bodies were buried. Right. And she was like, that's a bad idea. Because people see that, you know. And he's like, well, but this is art. <laughs> it's like, you know. Which I, is not a, you know, it's not a. I, I, and, and we need to know where it is. So when the road comes through. We can dig it up. We're going to have to dig up the bodies and move them. Right. Which they eventually do. Yeah. But the, uh, uh, the. The British spy slash uh, uh, U.S. Navy slash trickster grifter Richard dude, Richard shows up uh, unexpected at the house, like in in bad shape. He's he, he's got a he's got a bump on his head. His eyes swollen closed. It looks terminal. Yes, he's but survived, he's still alive. Yeah, but barely, and he collapses at the daughter's feet and starts you know starts apologizing and professing his love. To a number of women, not just her. In fact, he at no point says her name. He goes through like a Rolodex worth of women's names where he's like, I'm sorry, I didn't, I shouldn't have done this to you. You know, please forgive me. I love you. And like every time he says something, it's like, I love you, Miyoki. I love you, you know, uh, uh, Yuri. I love you, Natsui. I love, yeah. you know, and it's just like, okay, when are you going to get to her name? Her name is Shinzui. Yeah. And uh, he never does. He actually, he starts saying shish at the end. And then then it was like shiguri or something like that. And and just doesn't say her name and then dies. Yeah. And then it's like, well, fuck. Now we got to bury him. He came back. Yeah. He couldn't just go die in a gorge. He had to come back here and die. Yeah. So now we've got to bury this guy (laughs) and move the bodies of the people that we've already buried for convenience sake. Because- the road crew is going to come through and they're going to bulldoze this area and they're going to come across, uh, you know, a sumo, a famous sumo wrestler who's been cut into pieces, a young lady, a mysterious guy. Uh, you know, this is this is not good. But it leads to one of the best group number musical acts in the movie, which is like the whole family and all the corpses are singing a song about how you got to keep moving on. You got to keep your, you know, keep your chin up. You got to, everybody's got to pitch in so that everybody can be happy. And like the little girl is in front of all the zombies and, you know, yeah. she's doing the choreography. Yeah. Oh, they, they also discover that this guy uh, stole a wallet. Oh, right. So the son can finally go, you see, I didn't steal the wallet. And they're all like, oh, well, you know, we're sorry we thought about that you might do that, but we're so glad to know that you didn't. And the son, who's been kind of like surly and, and uh, uh, you know, the un- unpleasant to kind of everybody, feels validated enough at that point that he wants to pull together and help the family. And it's at this point that the family's really, I mean, they're really working together. Yeah. At the beginning, they were all like on edge and, fear, you know, fearful everything was going to fall apart. They haven't made any money. They no. haven't had any success. All no. they've had is people drop dead. Right. But that has brought them all together. And in fact... They kind of all come to this point where they're like, okay, we're all together. And a typhoon moves in. And just as the rains start to fall and the TV service goes out, they hear a knock on the door and there's a family 
that's looking for a room for the night. And, a mysterious family. And it's, yeah, so it's mom and dad and a daughter who's playing a flute the whole time, shittily. Yes, yeah, so she's playing shitty flute. She's it's playing like a recorder. The, yes, yeah. the, she's playing the shitty flute. They're all covered in plastic. They're all covered in plastic, and they have a, a very young son who is very clearly sick. Yeah, he doesn't say anything. He just coughs. He just coughs and sniffles. And, you know, <laughs> they show up in the, in the you know, the categories are like, would you like two rooms? And they're like, no, no, no. We want your cheapest room. It's like, okay. All right, cool. <laughs> and they start going up the stairs. And then the mother turns and is like, and we need some strong, heavy cord. And like the whole <laughs> family is like. Well, th- they all make like the 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 like, tying around the neck gesture cord yeah <laughs> and she's like yes something that will be sturdy and that can hold things up yeah and so they're they're convinced they're like okay this family's gonna go to sleep and then we're gonna wind up with another uh, four yeah. four dead people this yeah. time like and you know they're gonna murder their children like yeah. oh my god yeah they're, so, they're spooky they're almost like ghostly coming out of the rain in yeah the, the way that they show up so preemptively the grandfather and grandson decide to go dig a really big hole the next morning <laughs> that's right that's they're just right. like let's go dig the hole now we'll just take care of it now and then when they're all dead and we find their bodies we'll put them in the hole yeah and then some other guy comes crashing through the woods and falls in their hole evidently dropping dead right but before that we hear the shitty flute oh that's that's right that's right and if you see the moment between the two of them because it's like oh fuck there's ghosts right we right. got we got ghosts god damn it yeah they're digging this pit no knowing full well that this family's gonna wind up they're dead all dead somehow they're all dead and, and so and they stick their head out of the hole and the family is not in fact dead and they're like hey thanks for the room why are you digging a hole uh, put the garbage in the hole. Oh. And you see like the, the, the strong cord they needed was a belt to hold the kids' pants up. Yep. That's where the strong cord went. So you get this moment where you're like, huh, maybe their perspective is a little fucked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know what? They're they're together. They've got they've got a common goal. The family's got a common goal together. Which is now. digging graves. Yes. Burying the burying burying people. The dead. Yeah. Not, not like, reporting it, yeah. burying the At dead. At this point it's like we're cursed, you know. So yeah. this is this, this is, is this, this is, is our a, life now. Our life is just dead people. It's fine. Right. We're, we're good at, we're good at burying people. We are the death hotel. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> but the but the the grave did catch a person. Because uh, this guy falls into the grave. Okay, the new character they introduce. This is like 98 we're, minutes into the movie. We are almost done with this film. And uh, a man falls into their hole. Is he dead? Well, the grandfather starts burying him. He starts him, shoveling Just reflexively starts yeah. burying him. Right. And, and the, the gra- son's like, no, don't do not do that. And the grandfather's like, mm, yeah, let's yeah, just no, keep he's, doing He's dead. Thing. It's yeah. fine. He's as good as dead. Yeah. He's like, I'm not dead yet. Well, no, he doesn't. They, they just... Yeah. They, they, they get him out of the hole and yeah, bring they, him to the guest house. Yes, yeah, they bring him in. Yeah, and set him down. And so put him in a bed. Everybody's outside, and we're all talking about how, like, oh, okay, you know, we we needed to move some stuff. They're they're always as a as a family digging things up and putting things in the ground. And I think at this point they moved some stuff around because they're all coming back from digging something up and digging it a new hole for it. Right. Right. I mean, I think that what they ended up doing with that really large hole is that that was a new hole outside of the road area where they were going to take and put all the other corpses. Right. So it was like a, a mass grave. Yeah. Were yes, digging. we have a bigger hole. So they finally put all the bodies in the mass grave. They're heading back to their guest house. The man who fell in the hole originally wakes up, freaks out, 
and leaves the guest house in a hurry because stuff. He sees them and they're like, hey, uh, did you want some breakfast or something? He runs back into the guest house, spooked. Yeah. And they're kind of like, well, that's weird. But I mean, jumps out the window and then he jumps back in in the the window. window. They're like, that's weird. But you know what? I mean, he'll be dead soon, right? (laughs) Pretty much. Pretty much. He'll be dead soon. Uh, But then the law shows up. The The jig is up. The police show up. And then we have a very dramatic three-way song singing off, dance off between the three men in the family. Yeah. There's a detective. There's a serious looking cop and a serious detective. And then there's Barney Fife. Right. And they're all walking in slow motion toward the house. They know like somebody died, you know, obviously. But they, they've caught us. Yeah. And so who's going to take the blame is basically the song. So we've got the son who's like, I'll take the blame because I'm already a bad guy. You know, like yeah. I'll, I'll I've done do time. I, you know, I my can, record is just screwed up. I can handle it. Like right. I can, I can live that life. And then the father's like, no, no, no. This is my guest house. It's my family. I'm the one who's going to do it. I have to take the responsibility. Right. right. And then the grandfather's like, shut up, both of you. I'm old and I'm going to die soon. Yeah. Let me I was, do it. I was in World War Two. I, you know, I, I, I suffered then and, and whatever they can dish out to me now can't be as bad as what I had to do then. And, you know, my time has come and they, they all vie for the, the position of being the one to take the blame, which is very, you know, it's nice for once again, the family has very much come together. Mm -hmm. So the grandfather's like, all right, everybody fuck off and, and go away. I've got this. So he very slowly walks up to the cops, puts his arms out as if to say, cuff me. (laughs) <laughs> and they say, yeah, there's, there's been a death. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I know. We know. We know. We know. Here's my, please take me away. I got it. Uh, and Bernie Fife's like, yeah, there, a man killed his wife down at another guest house. And we're pretty sure that he's somewhere in the area. Have you seen him? Uh, oh. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute. Wait, this is different. Uh, meanwhile. Who could it be? <laughs> meanwhile, the, the, the guy who jumped in and out of the window is that guy. Yeah, obviously. he heard the police sirens coming, which is why he freaked out. And the the matriarch of the family has gone back into the house for reasons. Yeah, maybe and to gets, check on him or something. Yeah, and gets captured by him. Yeah, he takes her hostage with a with a knife. knife. Right, right. So he comes busting out of the 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 guest house, and then we have a showdown between him and our our father figure. Yes, and the father figure makes a a, a very impassioned speech about. Why did you kill your your girlfriend? Is it because you hated her? Because you loved her? And he's like, it's because I loved her. And he's, you know, the father's like, well, she, I love her as much as you loved your girlfriend. His wife. Yeah, I love my wife as much as you liked your wife. And uh, I would never want to see anything bad happen to her. And can you possibly see your way to take me hostage instead of her and to get away? And the cops are all there. They got their guns out. You know, they're it's a standoff. Uh, or do they have guns? I'm they don't not sure. have guns. But it's it's a standoff. And then Deus Ox, Deus Ex Machina, or Deus Ox Machina. There was no oxen involved. There is a huge explosion. Okay, I will take that back. Let's rewind it. And no, there's a there's the standoff. There's and, a, there is a standoff which ends up with the killer attacking the father, but the son pushes him out of the way and is cut by the knife and is bleeding all over the place and we have a very impassioned song mortally wounded mortally wounded he's bleeding out he's dying he's saved his father and his mother there's a very intense song of grief and loss and death 
And while all this is going on, the other characters, the the the, the law officers, the killer, they're all watching them do this, which is another moment in this movie where I was like, is this really happening in real life? Like, are these are these people normal people? And then there's like the Katakuris who are in their own little weird bubble of like musical theater. Mm-hmm. And we discover during this very impassioned song about grief, loss, and death that the son actually was just basically scratched by the knife and that yeah. the whole thing is a put on. Yeah. That's when... There's a terrible rumbling in the earth and they look up to the top of the mountain, to the top of Mount Fuji, which is all of a sudden exploding. Mount Fuji is erupting and there's a huge pyroclastic flow headed toward the whole family and the guest house. Mm-hmm. And it once again, we go back into claymation because this is not, they didn't have special effects budget to do no. a, a volcanic explosion, but they did make it out of clay. And, you know, <laughs> it's like a, <laughs> like a grade that. school project with yeah. vinegar you sure. know, and, and baking soda and some clay. Yeah. Right. And the family all links hands and encircles the guest house, which has suddenly become very small. Right. Because they are going to protect it through the power of love and family. And they do. And then we have essentially the sound of music. Yeah, yeah. It's like a miracle happened because the eruption finishes. uh, Everyone is alive. The house is now surrounded by a beautiful grassy field, like tall grass in all directions. And they look out into the valley and there are elephants and giraffes and uh, like a beautiful spring in the distance and uh, a rainbow in the sky and, and we uh, have another really big, uplifting, all-family song with some tragic choreography about moving forward and getting your wishes and everybody's great and happy and, yeah. you know, you just got to keep putting one foot in front of the other and then you can get your dreams, Yes, jazz and, hands. Yes, and, and Grandpa says, man is just one of nature's creatures and one day mankind will probably lose the game of natural selection. But until that time, man goes on living earnestly, touchingly. That's life. And it's like, oh, okay, well, th- there's the end of the movie. Yeah. He was in his, his religious figure thing. He probably, that, that probably contained some, uh, some real weight for uh, uh, the Japanese uh, culture or the Japanese uh, 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 popular culture, having known this guy as like a, a religious guru. Yeah. So the, the actor. Guy- the guy that played Grandpa is the other, I think, super interesting uh, person involved in this film. Uh, is an actor named Tetsuru Tanba, and he was apparently a member of the Japanese nobility. His father was officially the emperor's doctor, and mm. as an actor, he had been in like three hundred plus movies. The majority of his like heyday was in the sixties. He had been in a lot of Movies yeah. where he played a tough guy. He was like yeah. a like a police officer or a gangster or a samurai, you know, that yeah. kind of stuff. He was a tough guy actor. Yeah. Um, Charles Bronson of Japan. I don't know if Charles Bronson is exactly the guy that I would pick, but sure, okay, Some fine. sort of tough guy. Some tough Lee guy. Marvin. Yeah, I, would, I think more like a Lee Marvin or yeah. Lee Van Cleef or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but later on, he became kind of a spiritual leader. 
he had like his own sort of following of dedicated, you know, I don't think it was like a cult. I think it was like yeah. just was sort more of, of a guru. He had yeah. like wisdom to, to impart on people right. wisdom and he, from his life. He made these like recordings that people could get that were, you know, guided spiritual meditation type things. And he also made documentaries about spiritualism. So the, the guy was a super interesting guy. Like he just kind of had like all these yeah. different layers to him. Well, it's sort of like the ending of uh, that movie uh, with uh, Peter Graves, uh, where uh, the and Lee Van Cleef when the monster from Venus comes to the Earth. Oh, uh, it conquered the world. It conquered the world, and he has this this monologue at the end. Where he says, "They learned too late that man was a feeling creature, and that his emotions and his ties to one another would protect them from even the farthest." So, you know, and he has this real dramatic speech at the end, and this is the way. This is the same speech that the grandfather gives at the end. Very profound yes but the stinger is that they're like yeah everyone's happy family grandpa died the next year that's how life works Mm -hmm. and he goes up into the clouds we see him like go Mm -hmm. fly up into the clouds and then the movie ends (laughs) and then the movie ends hooray (laughs) well did you like this movie i did it's weird it's a really weird movie um i like the fact that it has kind of like it understands what it is. It has poor ratings on Metacritic and and uh, 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 Rotten Tomatoes. Really? Yeah. Because like I like it's I saw like fifty like percent and sixty percent. I think on those things. And I, I, you know, I I guess it maybe it's kind of long or you know it is a little of, long. I think that I think that they probably could have cut things down a little bit because you get the point after a while. But I I really enjoyed sort of the earnest leaning into the bad sort of music yeah and i liked the family i mean they oh they yeah the family's all, great there's really no uh, hey, there's really nobody in the movie that's unlikable even that uh like the the, the con man the con man guy he's really i mean he's kind of likable in his roguishness you know, it's, yeah, you're no, not upset there's no when he evil dies. Evil person in this movie. There's, you're not upset when he dies. I don't think. No, you're not upset. He's a bad guy, but he's a funny bad guy. Sure. And I liked spending time with the family and watching them do things. Yeah. I, I don't think it has to constantly. I mean, it should constantly be moving the plot forward, and you shouldn't be saying things like "Meanwhile," you should be saying "And so." But I don't. Sometimes I don't mind that, and yeah. and I, th- I thought it was I thought it was kind of fun. It's I, a foreign movie; you got to read subtitles. You know, I think Some that sometimes, that. yeah, I think sometimes the the stuff on Rotten Tomatoes and whatnot gets uh, lower scores when people have to do the work of reading the subtitles. Yeah, I, I don't get that. I read subtitles all the time because <laughs> well, I'm half deaf. <laughs> that's because we can't hear anything, and in, in, in movies nowadays, yeah, I think uh, quite honestly, because I, I did go and read about the original movie, which is the quiet family i prefer the happiness of the katakuris based on based on what i sort of read about how that movie works it's also a black comedy but it's got a lot of heavier themes in it um you know it it does follow kind of a similar storyline but some of the choices that were made in that one are just a little bit less less watchable I yeah think. And, and i mean I've, co- I've compared this movie to a lot of different things but it's not like any no american real, movie that i've ever seen it's it's very unique it's a real weird one um and and that's saying something because like i think a lot of i just think because of the cultural like pop culture points of reference between 
you know american stuff and japanese stuff i think i think we sometimes view things that are more mainstream in japan as being just quirky right well and, and because it's japanese it's just new to us so it's yeah it's, it's, it's just, we just generally more in- we don't have the same reference points um but yeah i like that i mean if if you like real weird shit or community theater musicals i would i'd check it out i think it's fun Thanks for listening to Cinema Super Collider. You can find us online at anchor.fm, but you can also subscribe to our podcast via any of the major podcast networks, including the Apple Store, Spotify, and others. If you'd like to email us, you can reach us at cinemasupercast at gmail.com. Thanks, and we hope to see you again in the future. Kutari no yasashima no koro wa Kutari no kokoro no yori dokoro